Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, conscience that made us, interviews and stories, tales from the bus, we love taking you back to when it all went down, the greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hey, this is Vincent Lane. This is Steve. We're from the band Relation. We're dropping a new EP very shortly called Revealed. Make sure you check it out on all the streaming platforms. And uh, check us out here on Concert That Made Us.
Blaze, you're very welcome back on the show. How's things? Everything's good, man. So far, so good. Um, dealing with the cold this time of year, you know, so <laughs> trying to make the best of it, trying to stay warm. You know what I mean? Creative. Yeah, I get you. I get you. It's been just about a year since we last spoke and you were just after releasing the track FYI I think if my memory serves me right now you have big news you guys have a new EP called Revealed coming out give us all the details if you can it's uh it's a little bit of a 180 from what we were doing before we just went through a kind of like a more experimental phase where we try to do something in the realm of extended range instruments, you know, more lower tunings, you know, the music gets a little deeper, it's a little heavier. Um, it's literally just a culmination of just us trying to do something a little different. That's not something that we typically do. Um, but so far we've been, we've been super happy with like the results and, you know, um, we're excited for it. Where did the uh, the idea to do something a bit different come from? I think we just, you know, trying to grow as artists. Uh, again, I, I do think, you know, relation being relation, we're still always going to, Steve and I are always still going to write hooks. We kind of like uh, a lot of semblance of, um, you know, ideology in our music. <clears throat> Things kind of work uh, as they do. But yeah, this is definitely a, a lot more progressive um, than, than yes. what lies beneath. Mm -hmm. And we, just as, as artists, we're able to kind of grow like that and challenge ourselves. And, and the audience response on some of the leaks have been really, really good. So we're, we're happy people came along with us <laughs> on this. You never quite know uh, how, how the audience is going to uh, respond to you. Mm -hmm. I also think it's like a, a piggybacking um, off of what you're saying. I feel like too is like we were at a point where we were just like entertaining kind of anything, you know, in, in a way where I'll have like a rough draft of something or a piece of music that's not really necessarily intentional for the band, just like something on the side, and I would still show it to the guys, and they'll be like, "Well, let's do something with it." <laughs> so, <laughs> so we could just we just kept entertaining stuff, yeah, and then it just like, hey, we might as well just stick with it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we opened the show with Hollow Majesty. What can you tell us about that track in particular? <laughs> oh, geez. That was an interesting one because, again, I... So Steve and I were sitting there with that and not quite sure what to do with it because, again, it, it's, for us, pretty proggy and heavy. Um, and lyrically, uh, we just had to find the tone and tenor, we think we did, where the protagonist in the song really kind of matches what, what the what the song's trying to portray and um i don't know you, <laughs> what do you think of that it's, was... it's really weird because here's how that happened i'm gonna I'll, I'll give you the breakdown for hollow majesty hollow majesties started as a 30 second clip of just me playing a riff that i was doing for content it wasn't even supposed to be a song and it's so left field from what we did on what lies beneath and we just vibe with it and we just wrote to those 30 seconds. And then the song just, it's like, it had this snowball effect. <laughs> and then it started turning into like, oh, okay, we're doing this then. <laughs> like we're already committed. Yeah, it, that, yeah, it was really cool. Cause a lot of it was written on the spot. And and I, as, a, as a lyricist myself, I Steve will tell you too, I kind of like to go home and sit with it and walk around a room and try to figure out the perfect words here or there. but. 
Uh, well, on this record, we've definitely done a lot of like on the spot writing, which is really challenging for me. But I talk about being able to grow. It just it, it's very cool and humbling and challenging and exhilarating and all in all in the <laughs> all in one emotion. It's, it's really funny because. Um, it was an on-the-spot situation. I played, I remember clearly uh, me playing the the clip off the session. And we had and we had our our DAW open. And Vince carries a binder with like two thousand plus pages in it. Yeah. And he'll sit in the chair and we'll listen to the music and he'll he's like shuffling all the papers with notes and stuff like it's um, like like their cards and then he's like I got something and then he just goes in the mic and just does it <laughs> it was a weird situation but it ended up working out and the first 30 seconds as soon as the the instrumental hits after that guitar intro that's what we wrote to in the beginning yeah they came out of that first session exactly what you hear mm -hmm. I mean no changes um, sometimes that works well sometimes we've got to revamp but uh, that one came out pretty seamlessly. I don't know how or why these things happen the way they do, but yeah, that one, we, once we got a roll going with it, it was pretty easy to go mm -hmm. and it just kind of seemed to go seamlessly. The binder then, is that a binder full of, you know, lyrics you've wrote and you're trying to shuffle through it, trying to find something that matches that, that song or? Yeah, kind of. I've, I've been writing for most of my life, uh, here or there. And in, in, interestingly enough, sometimes that particular piece was written, God, must have been when I was, you know, 16 or 17 years old when I first started that. Uh, so that's kind of really cool when that, that happens that way. I just happened to look through scroll um, based on, on the, as, as, we're, as the song is playing and I can kind of feel the tenor of it. And I see, all right, this, is, this works kind of in conjunction lyrically with the way the song is. And we try to say, okay, this is going to work here. And, and sometimes you get a home run like that, which we're happy about. Yeah. Has it ever happened then that, you know, that's happened. You've finished a song, then you're just scanning through it and you're like, oh man, I should have actually used these lyrics. This would suit it much better. It's happened. Yeah, that's happened. It's yeah. happened many, many times. Because yep. again, what I do, the last thing I do is I'll take the song home and I'll make sure that lyrically it works. Because I don't like, I'm a big proponent of making sure that things get tied up and the lines aren't wasted and that just something doesn't make sense. So the, I'll come back and Steve will tell you this invariably, I'll come back, we got to change this. This doesn't work. Even it, it could just be a tense thing. Like it doesn't make sense here. I got to say this in this sentence as opposed to the way it's, it's laying out or this line's got to go. I got to change this. So yeah, I mean... That's uh, what we call repainting at the end, maybe a little bit, just, the, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of, of fixing it up. But yeah, that, that, that happens for sure. I gotcha. I gotcha. And you know, when you complete a body of work such as this EP, in your head, how do you look back on it once it's complete? Well, that's something interesting um, that I, I've done. Um, was like, I like to, like, cause when we get an idea of the tracks listing, right? Mm -hmm. He, we all get together, Matt, Steve and I get it. And this is kind of what we, we feel like as the flow of the, the EP should be. And then I'll, I'll go home and show the guys do the same thing. And I'll listen to it like collectively and make sure that it, it sounds like a, a, a collective piece. The, in our, in our minds, the production's got to sound a certain way, uh, which does sound different. Uh, than what lies beneath because we're different artists and you know the 
the software is different, right? Yes. But it's got to be co- collective and cohesive, right? Mm-hmm. You say? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, It's weird because the way I look back, even at what lies beneath, like when it comes to like um, looking back at, at a completed body of work, I feel like I don't always have the best answer for that because I'll be 100% transparent. After I am done mixing every single song, mastering every single song and everything's done, I hardly ever listen to our music. It's almost like it has to be like a situational thing like, oh, wow, we really did that. I'll be in my car or something or I'll, I'll be on Spotify and I, I'll see our name on Spotify as artists that are related or artists that you listen to. And I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't listened to any of these songs in like a year and a half, too. So and I think it, it comes down to because I spent so much time like with uh, with the arrangements and the production that you're kind of almost desensitized. And you kind of have to, like, not listen to it to get excited about it again. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of the guys feel different. The guys enjoy listening to, like, what we do uh, a lot. But I'm usually the one that listens to our music the least. Yeah, but the most in in the actual guts of it, though. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. know, yeah. So that that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I I enjoy listening back on it. And I like to see comparatively um, (laughs) where we are and where we're going. So that that's kind of cool. Like yeah. For the, for the new the new stuff, which we're well, I guess we can talk a little bit about what we plan to to do. I think we've decided to be a little maybe go back to more of a simpler plan and that kind of what we were thinking. And what do you, what did you what do we think about that? Uh, you know, like I said, it was a it's kind of like a one eighty thing for us. Something that we just it was like almost we didn't really think too much about it. There wasn't really a structure on okay how how do we want this next uh, EP to sound. There wasn't really a whole lot of thought involved with how it's going to sound. We just kind of went with what felt good at that moment, what sounded good at that time, and just committed. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a one eighty in, in terms of in terms of the music. I gotcha, I gotcha. And you know, hypothetically, if you guys could sit down with yourselves from last year, say when you appeared on the show last year at the end of January, what would you say to yourselves? The first thing I would say is don't overthink and just commit and let it go. Um, that I, I say that just solely based off my the way I work and the way because I, I, I not only produce um, and record the music for our band, but I also work with other artists as an, as an independent engineer. So um, it could be for me, like, it's easy to get kind of caught up in this like rabbit hole or does this sound good enough like how many revisions do i have to do you know what i mean before i feel happy with it and what i would say to myself i would say just don't even think about it commit to what you're doing and just let it go <laughs> i agree with that trust yourself trust your trust your into it we done this year we were able to go and play shows with uh hall of fame uh, in, uh individuals uh, so that was great. Glenn Hughes, we played with Yingbei Momstein. We've, we've done some some cool stuff. And I think the the more I would say to us back then is trust the process, trust what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, trust in your work and, and think good things are going to happen, you know, and that's kind of how we really, really feel about it. Kind of just to put that affirmation out there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Now, I was looking forward to getting to the Hall of Famers. You have to give us all the details on this. How did it come about? Who did you play with? 
Uh, well, we, uh, we're represented uh, by Pavement Entertainment, um, and they give some opportunities out. We actually uh, felt this was a good one for us. Uh, we played with Yingve Malmsteen and Glenn Hughes uh, from Deep Purple um, in Illinois over the summer. And uh, it, was, it was a fantastic show. It was a great room. Um, Beautiful. The Arcata Theater uh, right outside Chicago is a, is a fantastic venue. The, the support staff there is, is great. The response was incredible. The response from uh, the teams uh, and Yingve and, and Glenn themselves were overwhelmingly you know, humbling. Uh, they were just, they were fantastic. No, they were absolutely. And it really shows like the scale of professionalism behind when you are opening for tours like this, how attentive the team is, how accommodating they are. It's not like you're rinky dink like local hole in the wall type of venue where you're arguing with the sound guy no they have everything 100 percent locked in like it was super seamless to set up we had help it was fantastic so shout out to them yeah they, they were and again being able to play with artists on this level uh you, the support uh from from everybody and and you know was the camaraderie was really something that i don't i don't know if i expected necessarily um but it definitely was there. We, these guys were, like I say, everybody that was involved in this was was cordial and, and helpful. And uh, and again, the audience as well was just very, very accommodating and, and, and supportive. When you're playing with guys on that level, then from a music point of view, what do you learn? They, these guys, I mean, let, let's put it in the, in the perspective too. Glenn Hughes is 70. And I mean, the, the show he put on, uh, as, a, as a man at, at that age, and again, that's not old, but I mean, let's just say he's been doing this a while. You, it looked like, you know, it could have been a second show, the, the enthusiasm and, you know, just the engagement with the audience, uh, the pacing of the show, I thought was something that was really cool. Uh, yeah, that was different, too. Is um, It's just um, it teaches you how, like, important it is to be on time and be, you know what I mean, like, super on point with this sort of thing because they're on a schedule. So, um, in past shows that we've played, yes, we, we usually are on a schedule, but it's usually a little more lenient because they're not as, like, fluent shows with set times like this. So, you know, it's it's about being overprepared, you know what I mean? And it teaches you to always be prepared, always, like, have backups of anything <laughs> um yeah. we had an incident during our set uh which is funny um uh, we um uh, we, we we play to a, a click track so we all have in-ear monitors and we have uh, a transmitter coming out of our interface from our laptop to our headphones with our with our receivers on and what we what you essentially hear in front of house is like all the little extra embellishment uh, embellishments in the song that we typically wouldn't be wouldn't be able to do live like things like harmonies backing vocals maybe like some ambient guitar in the background so we run a click track and all we hear is that in our ears with a metronome and I stopped saying what can possibly go wrong after that show. <laughs> Okay, because what happened was, and it must have been interference from other equipment in the venue, but it's seven o'clock, we're on the side of the stage, we're about to go in, the first interlude off our set list, because it's all straight through 30 minutes nonstop. So, the interlude plays, I hear a little bit of it on my headphones, we're good, and all of a sudden, I can't hear a damn thing. It oh, just man. cuts off. My headphones caught off, uh, they, they were off, 
uh, Vince's, Matt's, all of us. We couldn't hear a thing. And I'm like, this is about to go south really, <laughs> really bad. And then once we walk on stage, Matt, like, gives me like, oh, he waves at me. He's like, I can hear it. And I'm like, and I'm like, how? Because I don't hear anything. He's like, I don't know, but I can hear it. And I just like, in conversation while all of this is happening, just count us in. <laughs> so we coasted through that whole set with no issues whatsoever, no hiccups. And we couldn't hear a damn thing. We just counted on Matt. He, he held that whole set together. No question. Yeah, that, yeah. And out of any of us to actually have the in-ears work, and we realized after they just everybody had, you know, so much interference with with other things going on that that's what happened to us. Our channels were just yeah. we had to go way up the channel uh, line. But yeah, had, thankfully it was him, and he so he could keep us in time because, like we say, it is it's seamless. Everything works in as one collective piece. So. You could fall out and it could be it could be bad yeah <laughs> it could no be real real bad. The, 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 the situation was so stressful the anxiety was off the charts like we gave each other the biggest hug as soon as we ended that set <laughs> that's how like that's like oh my god we did it <laughs> yeah and it goes to show you just being oh like you had mentioned before being overly prepared we were mm-hmm. we knew the stuff so cold we know our stuff so cold that it it didn't affect it and you know, it was it was the worst case scenario. <laughs> it really we, was. We survived it, so that's another thing. And that's why I won't ever say what can go wrong because prior to that show, I was never worried about like us. Like we had everything locked in. We've rehearsed like hundreds of times the same set. My my well, my my biggest fear was what if something goes wrong like technically? What if there's like technical issues? And I always like said that out loud. And I'm like, sure enough, as soon as we start everything just stops working <laughs> no more of that oh man would you did you ever think of right we just won't use it in the future to avoid that situation because clearly we don't need it well we we think of it this way um with regard to the to the backtrack um and this is a big thing now in the industry it just really gives the whole show um to to the audience again because we you know steve and i and, and matt we like to put uh, layer the, the music as, as, as much as possible. And we really feel like taking that away would kind of not provide the, the full yeah. experience. So we, we, we don't mind doing that at all. Um, it, it's, it wouldn't say it's as freeing as playing without it, but there is a certain level of, of, of uh, exhilaration with it, I would say. Yeah, I think like, yeah, we could, we could probably say, for example, like the next EP after this one, we could probably make music that's a lot more suitable and simpler for a three piece but we don't know how to do that we just know we just add all tons of shit (laughs) so um we don't want to sound like that band that sounds like so nice and so produced and big on the recording and when you see them live it's like a stripped down version of it and we've learned to like acclimate to to the whole you know system if things go wrong or we're, we're just so used to it that we just prefer that people have like the best representation of the album, yeah. like or the songs. So yeah, we we put ourselves through that. <laughs> and basically, we don't want we don't want any other musicians. <laughs> right? We just we're we're very um, kind of cohesive, cohesive, and we just kind of like to do what we do with ourselves, <coughs> other people, and other personalities. And I, on some level, I think that's probably part of it too. Let's be honest. Right. And, you know, I have to ask about Ingve. I actually seen him for the first time myself back in, I think it was November. And I've had countless musicians on the show who have played with him. And 99% of them 
just say, let's move on to the next subject. So <laughs> what was he actually like? Uh, we felt he was cordial. Uh, his, we didn't, I, I had a little interaction with him and he was perfectly, perfectly fine. Um, I, we dealt more with his team. Um, but we did get props directly from him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was very, very complimentary to what we were doing. So, um, there's that. I can't say anything negative. I mean, I, I, I walked, I walked right by him in a hall and we acknowledged each other. And just like you would with anybody else, I, I got nothing to say. Yeah. It's weird because it's like, um, you know, there's a whole like rabbit hole of things that people say about interactions with him, like, or, um, you see it on videos on how he acts and stuff like that. And um, we didn't really experience any of that. Like we, we were treated pretty well. Yeah, very well. And, and Glenn Hughes, is a, who is notoriously known as a sweetheart in the industry, same thing. Um, like I said, his team was was fantastic as well. They were super nice. What did they say? They, they say, oh, the big boss likes so what yeah, he hears yeah, or something exactly. like that. Yeah, and like you guys are a powerhouse. They had a lot of great things to say. But yeah, yeah. Uh, my interaction with with Ingbe was, you know, and we've all read that. We've all read that. Uh, no, we had a we had a joke that. <laughs> what if we bring him donuts? Yeah, I, like donuts. <laughs> I don't, don't eat donuts. <laughs> yeah. So you hear, you know, you hear all these things, but I'll tell you, um, I got nothing to say other than it, it was very cordial. I will tell you this: Ingbe show is a loud show. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot. very loud show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I learned that myself. We were in a, a venue, I'd say it held maybe 200 people maximum. And it is the loudest show I've ever been to. I think I actually got permanent hearing loss from it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The it's, wall of marshals is no joke. Yeah. You know, it's, it's there and present. It's crazy because out of the three of us, I'm like the biggest fan. Because like I grew up, like I started playing guitar when I was 12. And um, I grew up just listening to him and watching him play in a lot of these like instructional videos so i thought like he was like the guy so you know just like every kid learning to play guitar that's who you want to sound like i grew up wanting to be this guy so just being there was kind of surreal because i'm used to seeing the wall of marshals just not up close and in person like in person you know and you know it's in on the side of the stage you see all the fenders with the with the leopard print strap and all that stuff and it's like wow i've i've seen this on dvds yeah. on live shows g3 <laughs> videos and now like it's in like I'm, i see it in real life yeah yeah and here's an off the bat one for you guys what is one thing you would change about being a musician <clears throat> also one thing i would change about being a musician Wow, that's a great one. Is it maybe? <laughs> I, I think I would change people's perceptions of, of what, what we do. I think people have this kind of like romanticized idea of what, how, I think this is what I would change, honestly. Uh, people believe like there's not a lot of hard work that goes into what we do because they're like, oh, you're talented. You guys are just talented. Like it comes from God. Though there's a hell of a lot of hard work that goes into this and a lot of sweat equity. And, and I try to explain to people that it's more like building a house than, than you would think. It's not just like we magically come in here and just do our thing in 10 minutes and then we're gone. No, it's, it's, a, it's a process and it's, we, we come home, we go home with it. We struggle 
you know, to make sure that everything works in, in the right way? Is this going to come off the right way? Does this sound like all the, the thought processes that go into really creating a product that you're, that represents you and that you're proud of, mm -hmm. there's a lot involved in that. So I think people just need to understand that it's not just some sort of just God-given talent that you have, that there's a lot of hard work going into it. I agree with that. <laughs> it's a good one, Aris. Yeah, and do you think you can become better musicians or are you happy at the level you're at? I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm still a student of the game, no matter what. Like, And the thing is, like, I don't think... Um, I don't really think there's like a cap to how um, how much you can grow as a musician as long as you stay current and you're learning and you're seeing how the music is changing. You know what I mean? Like a good example of this is Envy. Envy's been doing the same thing for 30 plus years. You know what I mean? Um, for some people, they're okay doing what they do and they're good at what they do. Some people just want more, want to learn more, want to be inspired more, influenced more, whatever the case may be. But um I'm always, always learning, whether it be me practicing on the guitar or watching a tutorial video or how to do this mixed trick, how to do this. Like, I'm just constantly absorbing information. So, you know, I don't, um, I feel like um, I'm always just going to keep doing that. I don't think I could just say, oh, I'm good where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, there's so many brilliant people out there that I'm like, oh, God, there's so much to know, so many different aspects to it. And I love great songwriters. And I like when people really put together a good product and lyric lyrically, it just, you know, really works well with what they do. So mm -hmm. I'm always looking to get better, um, probably for the rest of my life. I'm not even, <laughs> yeah, no question about that. Yeah, yeah. There, here is one tough one now I just thought of. I'd love to see if you can answer it. We all know how you can, you know, constantly become a better guitarist, better drummer. You know, practice, practice, practice. You can always go back, pick up the guitar, drums, and just keep working at it. How do you become a better songwriter once you're already at that level? Wow. I think it's just challenging yourself, which is really interesting, Steve, what we did on this on this one. Um, there were honestly betrayal, uh, the third song, um, off this record. I didn't know how we were going to attack it melody wise. I remember sitting here in this room with you going, mm, I don't know if I got any ideas here, yeah. you know? Um, cause again, sometimes that happens. So I, I just think, you know, we're just fans of so many different styles of music that growing and, and learning and challenging yourself is where, where it's at. Like, again, I mean, not everybody's going to do the ACDC thing, right? We aren't, we aren't in the vein of doing kind of replicating it. I think we kind of do, we sound like relation now. I think that's kind of what we do. We don't really have like yeah. a style that we have to really subscribe to. We just kind of can kind of go around that and we just kind of do us, right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting because when we talk about being a better songwriter, um, that's completely different than playing your instrument as efficiently as possible. But the thing is, that's what that's the balance that we have as a band. So from a songwriting perspective, on my end, it's really instrumentally based. Like I know where, how long a part should be, where it should go next. I'm really good at arranging where we're going. Vince really carries the lyrical content because I can't write to save my life. That's not true. <laughs> that's I'm, not true. I'm just, I'm just not. He, let's just say Vince just has, he just has a better vocabulary. So he just comes <laughs> up with really good words. So um, as far as being better songwriters, we we feed off of that because 
I could have an idea that's really, really good and it's concise and it makes sense. But Vince seeing it and hearing it by proxy makes him a better songwriter in the instrumental side because he's seeing it happen. Same thing when he's uh, with with his notes and in, in his lyrics, like I see the words he's saying and I'm like, oh, I don't even think you could use that word in this sentence. Like, okay, you know what I mean? So we've learned off of each other. So it, by proxy, we've we become better songwriters. I think it's just a whole different, different approach because uh, being a better songwriter is recognizing where the music is going in this day and age and seeing how it's changing, how, it, how, how does the music sound sonically. I go out of my way to listen to the top 50 on Spotify and I hear all the artists and I'm like, wow, this is really top 50? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, and, not, and, and it's not a ding towards like any of the top artists. It's just that, you know, like you, you, see, you see that and you're, okay, this is where music is going. You know, you'll type top, five, uh, top 50 metal bands and you see all the styles of music, all the styles of metal that you could possibly hear. And I feel like just listening to those things and just educating yourself on what's going on in the world and how music is changing. And, you know, like, I think you just become a better songwriter because now you have like a more objective view on it yeah yeah i like it i like that answer and before we dive into the last couple of questions so future plans for 2024 lay it all out first what can we expect yeah i do know we've got some um we're definitely gonna go back out on the road uh we've got some potential shows in new york city forthcoming um in the next couple of months which uh, you gotta do is just follow us on on uh, social media uh, or go to our website and we'll, we'll post those up. But definitely want to do some summer stuff like like we did last year, some some larger shows. That's kind of where we're at. We'll go back out on the road and do that. We're going to write more, um, not only for this project, but we have sync licensing opportunities. And uh, what else? What else do you think? Yeah, like it's uh, pretty much – we. it's, it's interesting because um, we – we tend to just like put a lot of our like record a lot of like snippets and ideas when we do rehearsals we record them with an iphone so we always have music to kind of polish up on but um now with this ep being like like once like once it's like fully released um like it's it's just going to be us going on the road with it and just running with these songs maybe include some of the ones from what lies beneath um and just take that to the road and see see how the audience reacts and then once we're done it's just back to writing <laughs> it's just it's, it, that's the cycle we're back life. we're back at home base so <laughs> right right <laughs> now as you may remember the last time i always finish up with a couple of fun music questions now since you're on already i've changed them up so i'm intrigued to see your answers if you could play a concert in any unusual place where would it be an unusual place. Okay, okay. Uh, mm. I feel like it would have to be somewhere, somewhere in Europe. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. would have to be like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to steal Pink Floyd, but damn, they playing in Pompeii may be the coolest thing that ever has happened. <laughs> or playing at, uh, at freaking um, Stonehenge. Yeah. So, like, you know what I mean? I would like to play it somewhere that's like super monumental. Like, yeah, I mean, either one of those work for me. Or just Yellowstone. Just have all those geysers go on in the oh, yeah. background. <laughs> that whole yeah. super volcano erupts halfway through the set. That would be it. <laughs> That would be, yeah, so something like that. Yeah, anything, 
That would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. First time I've asked that question, and I don't think I'm going to top that answer. <laughs> Stonehenge, I mean, God, I mean, what was, the, what was that movie? What the fuck was I'm that trying movie? to think of it since you said it. Yeah. Oh. oh, God. Um, Michael McKeon. Oh, God. It was, it's it's the, why is it skipping? I, it, we'll think of it before the end of this. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the next one. So what album do you constantly go back to? What's your go-to? Favorite album. Oof. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna approach this as like the favorite album that I was listening to during 2023. Um lately I've been listening to um Spirit Box, like religiously. And they've been like a top, top band for me for this whole year. And it's like, it's kind of inspiring because, you know, they started out small and they just grew so huge, like within the year. So just seeing like the, their success just and how they started makes you support them more. So uh, I've been just bumping that for the most part. I would say Spirit Box, uh, their, what was that? What was that last record? Um, I can't remember it, but it, they, they, they just, they just drop singles like every now and then. So like, I've just been impressed by what, but what they write lately. For me, I was a grunge child, so I, Stone Temple Pilots, Purple, or Alice in Chains, Dirt would be ones that I would definitely cycle back through. I can't handle Dirt too much, though. That's that's some seriously depressing shit. Um, <laughs> but so you can kind of throw that in a little bit, you know. You just don't want to get dragged down with Wayne Staley. But uh, Purple for sure has kind of got that like Stones kind of thing. Like they really kind of pulled it all together, and that I kind of really dig the way that that song that album feels they that really was like a pinnacle in my mind of that of that era couldn't agree more i think i have the uh answer to the band at stonehenge was a spinal tap that's it spinal tap spinal that's it. That's it. Yeah, I can't believe how do we not remember that <laughs> yeah that's just i mean and yeah i think they played on stage with like they were trying to play a repl- replication of stonehenge but they got their measurements wrong so it's like all super short and shit yeah i think that's what happened and i guess they're coming out with another spinal tap i was just gonna say it yeah yeah Yeah, this year right you heard that right yeah um wow so that's that's super cool yeah it's gonna be interesting christopher guess is he dead then he died am i wrong about that i don't know i don't know actually anyway um i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) and the final one so if you could collaborate with any musician from history who would it be and what kind of song would you create oh wow that's a really good one you know these questions seem like something that you could just think of but when you think of everybody and every type of music that you enjoy it's 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 kind of overwhelming because you're trying to pick one over the other right yeah and you're trying to pick it somebody that you might jive with um, I answered this question last last time, not this question, but a similar question to it. And I'm going to go back to Prince because, again, I just would love to see kind of an idea from a um, collaborative kind of like how like, just the direction he would kind of go with something like this. Because I know if you were to work with somebody like that, I think he would he'd take your catalog, listen to it and go, OK, this is kind of what I think we could create together that would kind of, you know, um, compliment both of our styles. So I'm going to go with him. I like it. I like it. I would go, believe it or not, and it's 
it's not even like an artist or a band, I would go with Hans Zimmer. Nice. I would go with Hans Zimmer and I would probably do some kind of like heavy metal orchestration thing. <laughs> That's cool. Because <laughs> he's like a huge inspiration. Like um, I've written like these little tidbits of like movie score, little soundtrack type of things. And um, I always listen to what he, the music he makes. And like if there is, if I'm going to get next to somebody. He's still alive, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I can't, but you can actually make that happen. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, Definitely Hans Zimmer. He's 100% goaded. He is. And his oh, his guitar player, Guthy Govan. He's amazing, too. Probably one of the best guitar players, like, be, like best modern guitar players, like, I've ever heard. Brilliant. Brilliant. Great answers there. Listen, guys, it's been an absolute blast again. I'm already looking forward to the next time we chat. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, we appreciate it. So uh, anytime. We'll catch you back up.
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.